previously on the Loyal Littles podcast. But if there's, I mean, it makes sense. They have to have food available to people. Yeah, but I've been to places like, sort of, I would think that, like Athens. Uh-huh. I've been to Greece a couple times. It was not really a strip mall. It was converted older buildings that they'd updated and yep. moved well, a couple. I understand. You know, their version of a strip mall. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of pisses me off, if Aww. I'm being honest. But that's a okay. <laughs> Chuck. But yeah, I mean, you will be grateful if we go to Egypt and you see a KFC. Right. So. <laughs> so since we're here, traditional or extra crispy? What do you prefer? <laughs> uh, I'm going to go extra crispy. Excellent. All right. All right. Back to the Loyal Littles Podcast. On the WTFC Podcast Network. Hey, Roxy. Hey, Chuck. Hey, Hey, Littles. Littles. Roxy. Yeah, Chuck. A little stressed. I know. (laughs) It's going to be okay. I hope so. It's going to be okay. Uh, Littles, we don't even know what that opening sounded like because we're not sure what it's going to sound like. And hopefully it was the same and you're right now going, what the hell is Chuck talking about? (laughs) That's our hope. We're going to go forward. We're having major technical issues. Yes. And But we're hoping by the time this gets out to your ears, Things we've solved fixed. them. Mm-hmm. But we're not sure. So anyway, so we're going to move forward just like normal. Yep. And hope everyone's having a great weekend so far. Father's Day weekend. Yeah. And your parents are going up to Maine, right? They are. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what we're doing this weekend yet. Uh, we might be trying to fix some problems, technical yeah. problems. Maybe go hit some golf balls. Yeah, maybe. Practice. That would be nice. Practice for next mm-hmm. weekend. Mm-hmm. And But I did want to start and say that sometimes on this podcast, there are some things we touch upon that get a response from the littles like nothing other. And I cannot remember a time that something like this in the two years we've been doing this or almost three years now yeah. that we've been doing this podcast. But we're going to start with a letter from Ritz. Okay. It says, hey, Chuck and Roxy. Yes, guilty as charged. I was a strat head when I was growing up. Stratomatic is a baseball simulation game that is based on dice and cards for each player. Not only did my friends and I play, but we would actually score our games and keep stats. Yeah. My parents were really worried about me. Each year, we'd get updated sets of cards that were based on the player statistics from the season before. During the lengthy baseball strike in 1981, my buddies and I continued to play the season by simulating lost games for our favorite teams, the Pirates and Mets, respectively. Stratomatic was founded in 1961 by Hal Richmond, who was a college student at the time. His son Adam now heads the company. There was also football, basketball, and hockey versions of Stratomatic, though I never played those. Stratomatic now has a web-based version. Many baseball players and celebrities grew up playing Stratomatic, among them Keith Hernandez and Bob Costas. Thanks, Glenn Winters, for mentioning Stratomatic. It would be great to hear from other little Stratheads out there. Later, Ritz. To say we heard from some of them is yeah. putting it mildly. Yeah. Okay. We heard from a lot. So we're going to do that later on in the show, I think, because okay. the emails are just great. And I want to get to most of them if we can, because there were just so many. Yeah. And it was just so passionate about this topic. Now, the thing that's driving me crazy, Roxy, honestly, is I'd never even heard of this. And no, I'm just shocked. No, me neither. Now, I'm not saying I have to, I've heard it's of like everything out there. Because this sounds like something that would be right up my alley. Yeah. But as we'll hear later and get to the emails and stuff like that, you'll see maybe why not and things like that. (laughs) So, but the other one I wanted to start the show off with is this. It says, Choxy, I heard from Ritz. It was so exciting and I don't want to spoil it, but he has a story to tell on the falafel eating contest for sure. Oh. Okay. Now that was the other thing that was 
I'm going to consider it one of the ultimate bury the lead moments. Yeah. At least for me, because, you uh-huh. know, here I've known Ritz for quite a while now. Yeah. Did not know anything about this. Okay. He continues. I will give away that there is a loophole in the whole reigning champ thing because they haven't held the contest since before COVID. So really, you could say he is reigning champ for four years running. Anyway, I think it's worthy of a five mediocre minute segment. Not that I am trying to program your fine show, but I am throwing a strong request, demand, for that segment. Lord knows, I don't ask much from you lovely people. Okay, now I need to go deep. Here we go. Not only did I play Stratomatic, the board game, but also the computer game. Plus, my dad made custom settings on the player cards to take into account stadium nuances. This was before the cookie-cutter stadiums of the 70s. And we had entire sets of cards to replicate entire schedules. But wait, there's more. There are fantasy leagues nowadays that run Stratomatic simulators that allow you to play one game a day for the entire season. It's a great game. I am surprised Chuck has never heard of it. But then again, it generally had a Dungeons and Dragons vibe to it, and Chuck grew up with sisters. Okay, so there's Fair. my out, Fair. I think, because yeah. yeah, I was not a Dungeons and Dragons. Right. But I still cannot believe I've never played this and never heard of it. I know. There was a certain day of the year when the cards were, quote, released, and it was basically like when Apple launches a new product. People lined up outside the store in upstate New York to get the new season's cards. Wow. Beyond that, I've rambled long enough. Maybe. Episode 178, A-B-T-A-H-S. Now, that I, it just blows my mind. Yeah. Did it skip a generation, maybe? Maybe. I mean, that's the only thing I could think of because, I mean, the only thing I remember lining up for was Garbage Pail Kids when those packs uh. came out. Because <laughs> that was what me and my sister were, my youngest sister were, like, collecting. And right. we had the books and stickers. We, we collect stickers, but Garbage Pail Kids was a big thing. But Yeah. Wow. I, this is just blowing my mind, and I feel like it would have been right up my alley, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I just never hit our part of upstate New York. I had never heard of it. Now, did your dad mention it? He didn't say anything no. about this, did he? No. Okay. No. I don't know. All right, let's get to a few other emails before we get to our Meet the Littles guest. Pluto TV is a free service with ads, but you don't even need a login. So everyone can watch the first half of the Tonys. Still not angry, just peppy. (laughs) Also, the fact that Glenn Winters (laughs) went to the recital on a night when his ex would have had a poor turnout when he was clearly not obligated makes him even more awesome. Yeah. Now, this is from Mike Wolf, episode TBD. Yes. Now, in parentheses after awesome, he put N.A. slash J.P., do you have any idea what that would mean? N-A, not applicable. Oh. Just peppy. Oh, wait. Not angry, just peppy. Oh, okay. Ooh, not angry, Roxy. just peppy. Oh, I did it. I did it. I found it. Roxy yeah. wins. That, that's great. I had no idea. Not angry, just peppy. Okay. That's great. I like that. I'm pretty sure that's what that's that is. That's got to be it. That's got to be it. You win, Roxy. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> <laughs> then we hear from Steve Osbell, episode two. Sid's corner stumbles off the tongue. How about Sid's spot? Sid's spot. Sid's spot. I don't Sid's know. That spot. seems Sid's spot. That seems Sid's rambly. Spot. I don't Sid's know. Spot. Not stumbly, but rambly. <laughs> also, I am familiar with Stratomatic from when I was a kid, but I never played it. Okay. So there's another one. At least he'd heard of it, though. Okay. Then we heard from Jason Massapust, episode 223, who I have to send a quick apology out. Somehow he got skipped on our website. His, oh, that's right. His episode was not on our website, and so it's now there. So yeah. Check I, it out. I, that was weird. Well, I mean, they probably checked out the episode, but I mean, not the... Check it out again. Okay, sure. Check it out again. Anyway, he writes, he said, we did a ton of international travel before kids 
and Egypt and China were two stops. Episode 238, Grayson is spot on with the shops and markets everywhere near the top touristy spots. To travel to these two spots, for the most part, you have to be with guided tour groups. Mm -hmm. So they plan out all the stops based around trying to sell tourist junk. You can walk out of the 3,000-year-old tomb in the Valley of the Kings and into a strategically placed market with a guy pushing a statue of Horus for $20, and you can talk him down to $1 if you really work it. <laughs> Two of my photos attached. So he sent some pictures. Now, it's so funny. I mean, I've been to some of these places. Like, I remember like when we went to uh, the River Jordan, mm -hmm. and there was shops where you could buy your bottle of holy water, or you mm -hmm. could buy the empty bottle to go get your own bottle of holy water, Right. which I was so shocked that we could do that. To me, yeah. that's, that's kind of, I don't want to say disrespectful, but... I don't know. It just seemed like seemed odd. It's it like, seemed odd. It's like taking dirt from Fenway Park. Yeah. Or, well, here's another one. When I was in Athens, I on my <laughs> way down. Not it's not like I went up with a hammer and started like chipping away at the. the I love this story. OK, <laughs> I'm sitting like and, you know, I just picked up a rock. Yeah. My nephews at the time were they were uh, were collecting rocks mm -hmm. and they just all of a sudden there was a whistle blown and someone said, hey, you got to put that down, put that down. You know, and I was like, whoa, OK. I just thought it was like, I didn't think it was anything major. I just thought it was a rock. So anyway, <laughs> like I said, it's not like I was like chipping Caught away at the monument or anything right, like that you right, know, and, and right. taking away. So yeah. anyway. All right. So then we heard from Bobby Goffrey in episode 12. He says, I went to Egypt in 2009 and I remember the touristy stuff near the Sphinx, but you never had to travel out through the desert to get to the Sphinx and the pyramids. Giza, where they are, is a suburb of Cairo, literally just the outskirts of the city. One of the coolest things was being able to go inside the Grand Pyramid and see the burial chamber. I also got to see King Tut's tomb <gasps> in the Valley of the Kings near Luxor. Ooh. Fun facts about the Great Pyramids of Giza. One, it is the oldest of the seven wonders of the ancient world and also the only one that still exists. B, Cleopatra lived closer to the invention of the iPhone than she did to the construction of the Great Pyramid. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's truly... It's Incredible. Some of this stuff is really cool. Mm -hmm. All right. Then we heard from Stoopsy, 199. Hey, Roxy and Chuck, maybe this is a little too inside, but why do you limit the podcast to right around an hour? You have mentioned the stuff that you have left out on the cutting room floor numerous times. <laughs> why don't you run the podcast for 90 minutes to include all that? Thanks for the wonderful show. P.S., did you hear that Julie Andrews will no longer endorse cheap lipstick because it crumbles and makes her breath smell? <laughs> she explained that the super color fragile lipstick gives me halitosis. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's all I can say. I don't know. Thanks, Stoopsie. Oh, so right, to so answer his question about the yeah, okay, the ninety-minute uh, versus hour. Yeah, I mean, basically. You do studies on these things. You try to anyway. Yeah. And believe it or not, Stoopsy, they say the most successful podcasts are 20 to 25 minutes long mm -hmm. because apparently now this is pre-COVID. Right. But apparently that is the average commute time. Yep. So that's what you're looking for. Most people listen to podcasts on their commute to work mm -hmm. and the average commute is 20 to 25 minutes, no longer than a half hour. Yep. Okay. Now, obviously we kind of, I mean, modeled this around the TK show and right. that's what TK averages. And it was also, it just seemed like a good fit. And the also, hour. yeah. Mm -hmm. And also with the interviews, you know, if you notice his segments with his guests are much shorter than ours, yes. you know, and we actually do two segments, parts one and two, usually not always, but mm -hmm. part most of the time. 
And those segments are even longer than his one segment with a guest. Yeah. So now, obviously, our show is about different stuff. You know, they're just talking about today's sports. Sure. We're talk. We're meeting people. Right. So of course, that's a little different. Yeah, I guess that's kind of why it was. We mm. wanted it to have the same ex- feeling and experience of the TK show. Yep. And obviously, our my initial thought was to go on the days that TK doesn't every day. He every day that he doesn't. So of course I'm thinking we're going to go four episodes a week. And then it was laid out like, okay. You sure about that? Yeah. And, uh, (laughs) and then it was like, okay, we'll do Tuesday and Thursday because he goes Monday, Wednesday, Friday, normally. And of course, like even like this past week, he changed it up a little and we understand that. But yeah, even, (laughs) even the Tuesday to Thursday was too much for, it was just too quick of a turnaround for me to be able to get guests, get it edited Mm -hmm. and get it out. So So that's that's how we landed on Tuesday, Saturday. Yeah. And then, and even that's getting screwed up, but Hey, you know what? We're just rolling with it. Yeah. Right. Right. So, I mean, to be honest, that's why it wasn't Stoopsie. I, I, (laughs) there was one interview we were on four hours. It was almost four hours. Four hours. Literally. Now I don't think I recorded all, I probably recorded three hours of it though. Probably. And I don't think you want to sit around listening to (laughs) me talk and babble (laughs) with someone for three hours. So (laughs) anyway, that's kind of the, the story behind the, numbers so anyway some things to plug real quick i just wanted to make mention of two big scores in my buy nothing group oh yeah Chuck. Uh, i got some memory cards and i got a coin sorter yep that, that, doesn't really work well that's what's disappointing because it was brand new out of the box the guy gave I it to me i feel like those things never worked even yeah. when they first came out i mean it was helpful I'll say it was helpful, yeah. but it didn't work exactly like it was supposed to. Because we've had a coin jar since we moved into this place. Yeah. And 2019. So, so we had to count some change. And Is that four years ago? Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of change to be counted. Yeah. But we haven't mentioned the Buy Nothing groups in a long time, so I thought that would be fun. We have two quick things we need to plug before we get out of here, Roxy. First is make sure you go to our website. LoyalLittlesPod.com. And click on the Jingle Fest 2023 link and then click on the tab for your name tag. Yes. If you're going to Jingle Fest. We want to know what your name is. Yes. Dina in Damascus has generously offered to make name tags for everyone, but she needs to have the information so they can be ready for you. For the events. I think they'll even be ready for Mingle Fest. And they might even be ready for... Rock Bottom? The Rock Bottom, yeah. So make sure you do that. Head on over there because the cutoff is going to be early next week. So make sure you do that now. Head on over there. Get your name tag. Yes. Then I'm supposed to plug the Rock Bottom Thursday. Okay. okay, What we were just talking about. Okay. Uh, We got a message. It said, hey, Chuck, can you please mention that at Little's Hit Rock Bottom event on Thursday, we have two private rooms upstairs with pool tables and darts. We have a dedicated bar in the pool room that has three tables. Ooh. So... This is getting out of control, I mean, Roxy. Like, I'm really excited. I mean, <laughs> I'm not good at darts, so Littles, you better stand back when I throw like one. But it sounds like this is gonna be the pre-Mingle Fest. It's I'm like, very so excited What is this, Mingle this. Fest Eve? I get it's the name. Jingle Fest Eve Eve. I mean, this is crazy. Right. I mean, in a good way, but we're missing out. We're not gonna be able to be there for that. I don't think. Oh, Amazing. I guess we're not. No, I don't. Oh. I don't see how. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well. Someone throw a dart for Roxy. <laughs> right? I mean, and but everyone, make sure everyone stands back. Yes. I mean, we're kind of jealous now, but I so know. make sure you get there. Three pool tables, darts. I mean, it sounds like a great time. Yeah. So anyway. All right. Well, we have to get out of here because we have a great Meet the Littles guest. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Meet the Littles. Listen up, you guys. This is Ed Butt, formerly of the South Side of Chicago. He's listening to Chuck and Roxy on the WTFC Podcast Network. They live in New York, you know, up there by Central Park. God, Sean Morrissey could do that so much better. 
being played in this episode by an artist named Parker Rose and this song is called Nothing to Lose. Now you can find Parker stuff all over the place but he says the best place to go is to ReverberNation.com so just head on over there it's ParkerRose.ReverberNation.com that's P-A-R-K-E-R-R-O-S-E dot ReverberNation.com and as always we will play the full song Nothing to Lose at the end of the podcast. All right, all you loyal littles, it's now time to meet the littles. And Roxy. Yeah, Chuck. Another one from Ohio. Yeah, Ohio is hopping. We have to start counting, I think. Because yeah, it's a I, lot. It's it's coming close to the DMV, I think. I know. It's got to be close. It's got to be. But anyway, please welcome all the way from Cleveland. Yes. Cleveland, Ohio, Alex Budin. Hi, Alex. How's it going? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Now, as you know, you've heard a couple of our episodes. We're pleased about that. We've got some big things to get into. But why don't you take a second and introduce yourself to all the loyal littles out there? Sure thing. So my name is Alex Budin. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. I own the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant. Uh, and I'm a longtime TK fan. So are you originally from Ohio? Yeah. Grew up on the east side of Cleveland in a small community called Chagrin Falls. I relocated out of town, lived in a variety of cities, mostly Chicago, sort of cut my teeth on the bar and restaurant industry there. Mm-hmm. And I moved back here to open my business in 2013, and we opened in 2014. So we're coming up on nine years here. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. Especially getting through the pandemic and yeah. all that stuff. As we know, it must not have been easy. Yeah. For sure. What brought you out to Chicago? Did you go to school out there? Did you go to school for anything like this? Or is this like a family thing? No, not at all. I'm the son of a mechanic. He's a small business owner. I got into selling used cars, and I would sort of grew up in the back of a an automotive shop. I knew that running my own business was something that was interesting to me, but I was sort of like a man with a plan, but without a trade. <laughs> so I, I went to school at Miami, Ohio, I oh. uh, got a degree in accounting and entrepreneurship. And I sort of meandered around a little bit for my first few years, ended up in Chicago working for a lawn and garden company doing outside sales. And I began moonlighting at a bar. I had no bar and restaurant experience at the time, but just was looking for a way to meet some people. I was living with friends who were working in Chicago's Loop and all social events. And I was working in a very solitary position. I was like, I got to get out there and meet some real human beings. So I started working a door in Chicago. You can't see me, but I'm not a very imposing figure. So it's not exactly like I was the muscle of the place. But <laughs> It's not uncommon in Chicago for people to be checking IDs at a neighborhood bar. So I got an opportunity to work for an owner-operator there and fell in love with the role that I was in and just continued to ask for more, learn more, worked my way up and started managing there. And then a few short years later, I got the itch to go out on my own. And Cleveland was sort of going through a Rust Belt revival at that time. It felt like a good time to come be a part of the change. 
So I moved back here, like I said, in 2013, opened a business and the rest is history. Oh, awesome. So wait a minute. So you went from bouncer <laughs> to manager. That is right. Wow. The natural ascent. How long did that take? Go through the steps. Did, did you go bouncer, dishwasher, server? What was the progression of all that? It would have been bouncer, bar back. Ah. And I bar back after probably four or five months, I started doing that. And then from there, I progressed to bartender and server. And, you know, in our industry, oftentimes without experience, you get sort of thrown the least desirable shift. So I was trying to carve out my niche on a Monday night. And then I got enough experience and ability to be able to move up to the big leagues of Thursday, Friday, Saturday (laughs) nights and did that for a long period of time. Had a ton of fun doing it. And it was the first job I'd had in a long time that never felt like work. And I also like even getting into the bar business to begin with checking IDs at the door was like, well, I could go out with my friends and spend $60 drinking, or I could work the door and make $60. And it was like, I was clearing $120 and lo and behold, all my friends would still come in and see me. So it felt like I was still a part of the social network Mm -hmm. over there. So after a couple of years, I just continued to ask for more responsibility, more work. I was working, this was a part-time gig for me and my other job I wasn't loving and felt like I was trying to explore whether this was a career or a hobby. And 15 years later, it's turned into a career. You know, it's so funny that you say that because Chuck's kind of going through a similar situation with softball where... I was sitting here thinking, like, I'm spending so much money playing softball. If I started umpiring, I'm still involved in the game. I'm still there. I'm still seeing my friends at the fields and stuff like that. But I'm actually making money. Mm-hmm. So I totally get 100%. that. 100%. Now, just so, because this could be interesting, because since we have a professional here, Roxy, barback, are you the guy that, like, gets the ice and all that stuff? You just support the bartender? Is that what that means? Yeah, exactly. Okay. It's basically, it depends on the place, but in most cases, you're doing just about as much work as the bartender, except you're not allowed to look up. <laughs> okay. Stock, you're stocking ice, stocking beer. You're staying behind the scenes. I always describe to my team now, it's about staying small and sort of out of the way while you're right in the mix of chaos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even as I've grown in my career, as we've grown as a business and whatnot, I still sort of default back to barbacking. Anything I can do to support my staff to do their job a little bit better So that's sort of the role I play. So I'm still cutting fruit. I'm still juicing, stocking ice, stocking the bar, and a myriad of other things. So that's small business ownership. I've always been curious about this as well. Now, does the bartender split tips or how does that work? They are on their own. They, I'm not a part of that whatsoever. No, they, okay. they, they, they don't want my hand in their till. Uh, <laughs> no, they, they, do, they do all their own work. It's sort of like because I'm not so far removed from a bartender myself and relying on tips for you know, my sole wages, mm-hmm. I try not to overstaff our spot as much as I can as long as I am able-bodied and can do some of the work and spell them from having to have a you know, an extra person there to help and right. dip their hand into that tip jar. Mm-hmm. So as much as I can, I try and do work to help benefit them and not. Uh, right. But not I just meant in general, tip. I was like, cause I mean, it sounds like a good bar back could make or break a good bartender. The, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And every place is different. Like some bar backs are responsible for doing service bar. So all the tickets that are coming in for the servers that go out to the tables, bartenders aren't necessarily hitting that they're hitting the bar seats that are directly in front of them. Right. And so right. you'll have a bar backs. It's sort of like a bartender in training. 
But again, every place is different. At our spot, we mostly focus on the bar back doing a hybrid of food running, busing, and stocking the bar. We're right. not a huge place, so you sort of have everybody has to chip in a little bit. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Well, wow. now, Roxy, forgive me, Littles. I cannot remember who this is, and I bet I'm going to bet Roxy won't either. But I feel like I'm at that moment where, and, and forgive us, there's over 235 episodes. So the gentleman who was the TSA agent. That it, was recent. It was recent, but I can't remember who it was. I feel horrible. That's okay. Because I feel like we have another one of these moments. Okay, Mr. Bouncer, you've got to have a couple <laughs> good stories. What's like your best situation with fake ID or something like that? And you just laughed in their face or something like that. So the place I worked at wasn't exactly like a rowdy spot, oh, but I okay. will say that my first day when I got hired to work in Chicago as a bouncer, the day I started was St. Patrick's Day. Oh, <laughs> and that was probably the liveliest day that we ever had, probably in my history in this business of seeing all the shenanigans that go down with a St. Patrick's Day in Chicago we had to throw somebody out. I had two other bouncers that were with me that were significantly larger than me, and they were physically removing somebody from the premises. And I remember one of them looking at me at the time and being like, it's never this hard. Oh, <laughs> like, okay. this, is, this is the exception. And really, I always felt my tactic with bouncing was always more of the friend with a hand on your shoulder, like, hey, it's probably time to go. Never menacing. Probably the most embarrassing story I have from somebody was somebody came upstairs and was like, hey, there's a guy in the bathroom that I think needs to leave. I go downstairs and there's a man hunched over, passed out on the urinal. Oh. He fell asleep midway through going to the bathroom. Oh, my gosh. That was probably the most uncomfortable. I had to like sort of poke him from behind <laughs> with my finger and be like, hey, I need you to wake up. I'm not going to help you put your pants on. But uh, yeah, so those are old memories. And really in uh, Cleveland now, we don't operate with a bouncer. That was much more of a Chicago thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. right, right. Well, I guess if nothing will give you motivation to step up to the next level, I guess a story like that would be it. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm not going to zip it up for you, sir, but you have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to explore how buttoned up you are. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Well, let's now get into your fandom. How did you become a little and all that stuff? So, you know, I was somewhat of an early adopter to podcasts. I don't even remember if podcast was the vernacular at that time. But my first couple jobs out of college, I was listening to downloading different things at work. And I think it started with a Wall Street Journal daily podcast. And then uh, I'm a big fan of Dan Patrick. And he had gone out away from ESPN and was starting to release these hour-long recaps of his radio show. And like anything, I think it popped up that he had a radio show in D.C. I knew him from PTI for many years at that point, but didn't know anything about his radio show. I remember the first couple of times I listened, I was like, what is this? Like, this is you sort of tune in expecting it to be explicitly a sports podcast. And it obviously, especially at that time, was so much more covering politics and entertainment and all of those things. And I just became a devotee back then. I didn't know anything about Littles or La Cheeserie and all right. of the above, but fell in love with the format. I think I'm sort of an old soul in that regard. I listened to a lot of morning radio in Cleveland in my youth where they sort of covered all those daily topics and it was sort of a hodgepodge of perspectives. And so that's really where it began. And I really think fondly over 
my early experiences listening to his show because as we sort of glossed over my journey in my career, TK was with me for so many of those years where whether it was doing stocking and barbacking and whatnot in Chicago to writing my business plan and then ultimately when we were building out my business jukebox in Cleveland, you know, TK's in my ear pods yeah. and I'm listening to him throughout and the multiple iterations of the show, you know, it was sort of a surreal moment when he got involved with chatter and I was like, oh my gosh, this is the real connective tissue. So that was a fun journey to listen to. I never got a chance to make it to chatter, but just, I think my fandom has just grown over time. And now with the connective tissue of the littles, I wrote in an email to TK probably, I'm going to guess five, six, seven years ago, something like that. I finally had some music to submit and felt like this was the right opportunity to jump in and try and get on the program. And that really helped introduce me to a whole other breadth of littles where I started hearing from people, seeing people coming into the business and saying, I heard the guy who owns this place is a little. And I'm like, I've never seen a little in the wild and starting to meet different people. And now we've gotten involved with the summer of little. So yeah, fan throughout. And I remember the early days when it was like two different downloads. It was like an hour one and hour two yeah. right. through ESPN DC or whatever affiliate he had at that time. And so I guess if I listened in 2008, I guess that puts about 15 years of TK under my belt. Wow. Okay. Now, do yeah. we, do we have a bury the lead moment here? Up, yeah. I, I'm sorry, Littles. We, he didn't fill out the form, really. I mean, we have a reason he's on here, and we'll get to that in the next part. Uh -huh. But I'm sorry, you submitted music? Yeah, not my own. Oh, I can't okay. claim to be a musician. Oh, no. okay. <laughs> but, you know, when TK started soliciting music for their sort of off-the-radio waves, my cousin had recorded a couple albums. He's no longer regularly playing music, but I felt like, oh, this is the way to get on, you know? I'm not living in the BMV and listening to so many of the email submissions at the end of the show. It was like, I don't know where I have the right place to jump in on this. So I used a musical submission as my opportunity to get on the air. Gotcha. Excellent. All right. Well, listen, we've got a lot more to get into, but we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Meet the Littles. This is the Loyal Littles Podcast with Chuck and Ross. Welcome back to the Loyal Littles Podcast, and we are lucky enough to have Alex Budin with us today. Yep. And now one thing we didn't get into yet was your sports fandom. Now, I think I know where this is going, but you never know. You spent some time in Chicago. What's your favorite sport and your favorite teams and all that kind of stuff? Well, my Cleveland fandom runs deep. So okay. I, in, in actuality, Chicago is up against us in just about every division. So I was not quick to adopt any uh, <laughs> Chicago-based team. I suppose that when I lived there, the uh, Blackhawks won three Stanley Cups and I had no allegiance. So I sort of piggybacked on that bandwagon, oh, but I could nice. never claim my fandom there. But no, I'm a huge Cleveland sports fan. Cleveland Guardians are definitely top of my list. Historically, we've been a Browns town and a Browns family. The Deshaun Watson situation has soured that in, sure. for many people locally. But it's sort of like a family member. You can't sort of break up with them totally. Mm. So I'm right there with that. And then big Cavs fan as well. Excellent. Nice. Chuck has a special connection with the Browns. I do? You do. What's that? You got an escort thanks to the Browns oh, to get to the airport to come true. and propose to me. I did. <laughs> that's, have we told that story? I think we've told that story. But my big question to you is now you're a diehard Cleveland, born and bred, 
been there. Now you have a restaurant there. Will it not always be the Jake to you? Oh, yeah, 100%. Okay. That's the probably what? harder than the name change. Yes. Is not calling it Jacob's Field. Right. Uh, oh. So, yeah, there's a whole, you know, T-shirt companies in town or it'll always be the Jake to me. And yep. They've refashioned some of the, like, logo of the stadium to reformat what is currently there to Jacob's Field. So, you know, when the Brown, I'm almost 40 and almost a man. And when, uh, <laughs> when I was young, the Browns had left town. So the nineties, the then Indians were the talk of the town. And right. so going down to that stadium, so many of those memories are etched in my memory. And so it was really hard to embrace the corporate sponsorship when it happened. I, I always felt like it should have been able to at least you see it in some places. I felt like it could have been like progressive park at Jacobs field or right. something mm. to keep that history. Now they've sort of, I've heard some people try and shorthand it to the Prague, which nobody is embracing. So yeah, that's always the Jake to me for sure. Yeah. Well, one of my favorite baseball memories, it was right after it was built. When was it built? 97? No, 94 was their inauguration. Oh, that early. We're actually right behind Camden Yards. Oh, okay. All right. All I remember is we were closing Victor Victoria, the first national tour of that in Cleveland. We were there for two weeks. And one of my favorite things to do was to, as soon as the show got out, I would run down to the stadium to try to just, you know, sneak in. Mm Because by then it's like the eighth inning. Yeah. You know? Yep. I'll never forget. Fabulous. One of my favorite stories ever was, because I'd never been. This was my first time. I got in, walked right in, and... Cleveland was down, I think it was like six runs in the eighth. They scored like one in the eighth. And then, so they're really down in the ninth. It was still full. The crowd did not really, you know, by, most people would leave at that point and be like, ah. They're very loyal. Cleveland came back and walked it off. Whoa. I've never been in a more electric, they were playing Oakland, okay. of all things, in today's world. But they were good back then. Oakland was good back then. Yeah. And yeah. I'll just never forget that moment. That I, the place was rattling, and it was just like a regular season game. It wasn't a playoff wow. game or anything. And it was so electric, and you're not going to want to hear this, but so right after that, we went to the Winking Lizard, because that's where the cast would hang out, <laughs> which is close to the, where the field is. And I was yep. sitting across from a father's son, <laughs> and they had Oakland on, and I was like, oh, tough break. He's like, yeah. He goes, yeah. Worst part is, he says, he goes, our friend pitches for Oakland. And I said, he said, we were Ooh. supposed to meet him here after the game. He goes, but he's the one that gave up the, the oh, three-run homer no. to end the game. He's like, so I don't feel like, I don't think he feels like hanging out tonight. Oh. So we might not get to see him now. <laughs> I was like, That's oh, my God. I felt bad for the kid because yeah, the kid, you could just tell yeah. he was excited to meet a major league pitcher and right. stuff like that. And, but yeah, so I but Well, that, I will say that experience you had at the ballpark is sort of, representative of the whole 90s Cleveland baseball. Yeah. They, when they came back in 94, that was the strike-shortened year, yep. but from like 95 through 2001, they were selling out that ballpark every year. They, In fact, they had 455 consecutive sellout games, wow. a number that they ultimately retired up in the right field bleachers where they've got all the other you know historic greats out there and it was like that they actually put out a vhs compilation of all the comebacks that they had at that ballpark called faux pas now but called wahoo what a finish Mm -hmm. and i remember that was just like as a 13 year old kid that was like on regular rotation i'm like oh, i want to watch the game where paul sorrento walks it off or let me watch the game the end of the game where kenny lofton steals home and yeah so never out of it completely and we still have great fandom we show up for the big games but you know we're a mid-market team so 
tend to struggle sometimes with keeping our talent, yeah. but right. good farm system. Well, and I don't know how much of the podcast you're up on, but you know, Roxy and I are diehard Red Sox fans. Mm-hmm. So actually yeah. Cleveland has a major soft spot. Cause I'd love to see Terry do well out yeah. there. I really yeah. would. Cause mm-hmm. he, Absolutely. he changed it for us. So, yep. you know, I was hoping, but well, listen, we can't thank you enough for coming on to meet the littles. Sorry. We're out of time, but um, we're going to wrap it up. I'm just kidding. Bob Walsh. I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's probably freaking out. I'm looking out right at you. Now. I'm freaking out. I'm looking at you like, what are you talking about? <laughs> We're just Chuck? kidding. <laughs> One of the real reasons we had you, Alex, is well, just because we wanted to meet you in general. But we are so excited to announce that Alex has graciously decided to host a Summer of Littles this year. So why don't we go into that? Let's talk about your bar and all about Summer of Littles. Absolutely. Well, thank you again for the opportunity to talk about this. So we started hosting with the Summer of Littles back when it was revived to 2021, I want to say. Because I had written into the show before, as I had mentioned, some people had started to reach out directly to the business or come in and say, hey, we heard there's a little here and exchange lachiseries. Well, one such little, Mary Shively, sent me an email and said, hey, I live in the area. My husband and I come to Ohio City regularly and we like your place. We wondered if you'd be interested in hosting a Summer of Littles. And at that time, I didn't really have a sense of what that meant or what to do, but we decided to give it a go. We hosted our first one. There were four of us there, myself, Ray, Mary, and Tom Pace from Lakewood, Ohio. He's an avid emailer, uh, Lachiserie Tom. Doesn't have a Chuck Uh, and and Roxy number yet, though. No, but maybe we could change that. Absolutely. Um, So, you know, it's a humbling thing. I think most of us are like, we listen to this podcast in a vacuum and think, I don't know who else is hearing this or who else around me. Yeah. You know, you sort of have to wait for the little subtle hints to be Mm -hmm. like, wait a minute, are you are you a little? (laughs) Um, But we've had a ton of fun with it. First year I did it, I went all out. I bought a case of wine from Bell's Up Winery. Oh, I homemade great. a Wilbon's chili and we had a lachiserie board and nice. a variety of other homages to the show. And we keep a lot of that stuff through line as we come back with it again this year. And we'd really like to see more people come out. The real treat of it is Bob Walsh does such a great job of documenting other locations and we all share photographs. I'm not sure. Have you guys participated in a summer? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That was our first, Mm -hmm. that was our first actual Littles meeting, meeting, meeting Littles. I mean, we met a few before, but an actual event. Yeah. We co-hosted here in New York city a couple of times. Yeah. Fabulous. And I think that I, I don't have a true sense of this necessarily, but I think that I'm one of the only Littles that also owns the venue. So I was trying to put myself out there and we'd really like to see it grow. But at the very minimum, the absolute minimum, I've made great friendships with the folks that we get together with this. I see them throughout the year. Mary was in a couple weeks ago and was like, are we doing this again? Yeah. I was like, yeah, heck yeah, we're doing it. So Excellent. Uh, well, and she doesn't have a Chuck really and Roxy fun. number yeah, either. who are all these people? I know. Mary who? Cleveland, Ohio, <laughs> baby. Come on. <laughs> well, I was going to say, Roxy, Bell's Up Winery, yeah. Robots Chili. We might be making other plans now. I, no. We might be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. That's fantastic. So, okay. Littles, you know what to do. The website's there, but I don't know if they have to start making reservations yet. I think he's going to wait till after Jingle Fest, but yeah. it's summeroflittles.com. Now, Alex, most importantly, we're going to call this a bury the lead moment. We have no idea where you are. Give the address, all that stuff, and let us know how to find you. Absolutely. So Jukebox is located in Ohio City, which is a little community within the city of Cleveland. We're at 1404 West 29th Street. It's a beautiful enclave, tons of bars and restaurants, shopping, 
all within walking distance. Our signature item, we make pierogi in-house from scratch, a Cleveland Ooh. tradition. So we keep a variety of different flavors in at every time. We've got 12 different craft beers. We've got wine, beer, all of the good stuff. Mm -hmm. So we keep it dynamic. We're a neighborhood bar, very welcoming. We're in a historically LGBT uh, community. So there's a lot of great people, great history on our block and in our neighborhood. So there's also been a tremendous amount of development over the last few years. So it's sort of new meets old all the time. That's awesome. Yeah, it's an important month and we try and stay diverse. We do programming throughout the year. But yeah, it's it's a great time to reflect. Yeah. That is awesome. Excellent. And thank you again for your generosity in hosting the yeah. Summer of Littles. Remember, summeroflittles.com. It'll all be there. You can actually meet Alex over there. I know Bob does a great job with that website yep. and meeting the hosts and all that stuff. Yes. And all the information will be there. And like I said, soon uh, we'll be asking people to reserve on there. So Alex will kind of have a general idea of how many to expect. Yeah. So, um, well, Alex, listen, we do need to wrap this up, but we can't let you get away without some of our fun, dumb questions. We hope that's okay. Can't wait. All right, Roxy, what's first? All right. What superpower do you wish you could have? I wish I could read minds. Ooh. I think it would solve a lot of questions <laughs> that are in the world. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Although I file that under careful what you wish for yeah, sometimes. But, sometimes. Uh, yeah, true. All right. All right. What group of kids would you want to hang out with? The kids from E.T., Goonies, Stand By Me, The Sandlot, Stranger Things, or The Little Rascals? Well, as a child, I had a crippling fear of the movie E.T., so I'm going to rule that one out immediately. Okay. <laughs> I would probably say The Sandlot. Yeah. That was probably where you could have found me as a little kid. Nice. Uh, yeah. Sort of playing pickup baseball, playing all the positions, so that would be fun. Excellent. Nice. If you could be an Olympic athlete, in what sport would you compete? I'd probably do something like water polo or curling, Ooh. something niche where it's a team environment, but doesn't necessarily stand in the spotlight. Yeah. Okay. Curling right. is awesome. That's on my list too. Full disclosure. Roxy's doing this from memory today. I'm I impressed. Am. I'm sitting here. Wow. I'm like, I'm the one here with the paper and she's like <laughs> just ripping these off. So, Hey, no what's... legal pad needed. No. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, what's one movie you love so much that you know you will be best friends with another person just by them loving it as well? Wet Hot American Summer. Oh. Have okay. you ever heard of that movie? I don't think I have. You have? I, I have, I yes. Have. Yeah. I feel like so I've it's heard a, of it. It's a David Wayne movie. He and Michael Ian Black and Michael Showalter, they had a, group, a sketch group called Stella. They were uh, involved with uh, a bunch of things in the 90s. They put together this sort of throwback romp about summer camp. It was sort of a farce. It takes place in an undisclosed era of like the late 80s. Mm -hmm. It stars... A ton of people. David Hyde Pierce is hilarious. Oh, in wow. It. Okay. Uh, Janine Garofalo. It's oh. a cult classic. I don't think yeah. it did well in theaters, but wow. it started getting a run on Comedy Central. In fact, it did so well that they ended up reviving it for a short program series on Netflix called The Early Days. Paul Rudd is in it yeah. uh, also in a hilarious wow, that's a great role. Cast. I highly yeah. recommend it. All right. I'll have to yeah, look that fabulous up. Fabulous movie. Yeah. All right, Roxy, <laughs> let's end with some rapid fire. All right. Coke or Pepsi? Pepsi. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Single sink or double sink? Double sink because I don't have that, and that's aspirational sink. <laughs> oh. What do you have at the restaurant? Big bucket sinks, right, I imagine? That, yeah, absolutely. Well, actually, I guess I should go off board and go three compartment sink. Oh, yeah, that's... But they're big, right? They're huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's Remember acceptable. Steve Oswald, yeah. episode two, sent us a picture of his. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, great. that's acceptable. <laughs> All right, Uranus jokes, not funny or never not funny? Never not funny. Excellent. Yeah. 
All right. Well, Alex, listen, we can't thank you enough for coming on to Meet the Littles. Now, how can we get in touch with We know what you want to plug or plug whatever you want, but I'm assuming Summer of Littles and stuff like that. But are you on social media? How can we find you? Everything for Jukebox is Jukebox CLE. So Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. My email is jukeboxcle at gmail.com. Website jukeboxcle.com. You'll find everything about our upcoming events, Summer of Littles, as we talked about. In terms of plugs, I think I've basically served on this podcast promoting Jukebox, so I'll take a second to promote something else. A friend of mine, they have a podcast that I help contribute to called the Horror Movie Club Podcast, where they review different horror movie every week. The shtick that they have, though, is that both of the guys that host it have roots in Ohio, and so sort of like the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, they tie every movie that they watch back to Ohio in some oh, way. Oh, nice. And, and so I do that research for them. So sometimes, especially with some of the foreign films, it becomes a little more difficult. I am not a horror movie fan, so I am very, very <laughs> separate from the content, uh-huh. but I have a little piece of that show. So Horror Movie Club, horrormovieclub.com. Nice. Excellent. All right, nice. we'll make sure we put all that in the show notes. And as an homage to the big show, we'll get you out of here on this. Over or under? Over. All right. No other answers. Excellent. And that's right. restaurant as well as personal home, right? You talking to somebody who loads more toilet paper in a week than anybody else, <laughs> it's always over. All right. <laughs> Love it. All right. Well, Alex, thanks again for coming on to Meet the Littles. We really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate the time. All right, all you loyal listeners. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Gordy in San Diego, and you're listening to the Loyal Littles Podcast on the WTFC Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Loyal Littles Podcast, and thank you, Alex, for coming on to Meet the Littles. Roxy, it always amazes me how much, well, not really, because we kind of went all out for our Summer of Littles, Mm -hmm. but to get the wine from Bells Up and Wilbon's Chili and all that stuff. I mean, it just sounds like... And the cheeserie board. Like, yeah. That's great. I mean, it's it amazes me, like I said, these hosts. Yeah. They go all out. Yeah. So, Littles, make sure you get over to summerlittles.com and look all that up and make sure you find one of the, to go to this year. Yes. That's all we can say. Yes. It's always a good time. Always. It really is. All right, Roxy, let's get to some of the other emails. Now, these are all, like I said, these all... I'm going to burn through a couple of these. Okay. Kim Wilson. Two L's. Episode 36, played Stratomatic as a kid. I still have some player cards from my dad's set. This is how I learned to keep score. Wow. Todd Decay, I couldn't afford real Stratomatic cards, so I made my own. Oh, my gosh. Todd Decay, episode 115. Tim Cree, Fort Collins, Colorado, episode 107. I had Stratomatic baseball and also Stratomatic football, but the football game didn't use dice. It used a deck of special cards with various numbers to look at for play results. My friends and I would hold a draft and pick players to form teams and then played games against each other and kept stats for the game and everything. Wow. Roxy, you have the next one, right? Yeah, we heard from Jeff Turner, episode 43. It was my first sports game. I only had six teams initially. I picked the Orioles, Expos, Phillies, Tigers, Dodgers, and one other team. It was fun, and I have been playing sports board games ever since. Strat was cool, but Pursue the Pennant and History Maker Baseball are my two BB faves. It's just it's That's, amazing. Wow. Then we heard from Jason Massapus again, episode 223. I was born in 77, and this game was around when I was young, but was much more popular for folks a bit older than me. This is what blows my mind yeah, because that's me. Right. I was, I'm four years older than he is. Right. You can still buy the cards and there are leagues that play. I have a few customers who are involved locally. 
Oh. It just, I don't know. And then we kind of have a correction. This is from Greg Sharamita, episode 154. He says, Sir Chuck and Lady Roxy. Because <laughs> we were kind of commenting on this the last episode. Stratomatic was not played with poker cards. I think you said bring a couple decks of cards. To, oh, to, yeah, yeah, to yeah. Jingle yeah, fest. I did. They used something similar to baseball cards. Each card had the statistics for a particular player based on the roll of the die, would determine the outcome for that at bat. Oh. Also, Chuck, you mentioned playing poker with the serial numbers of a dollar bill. We called that spoofing when I was in the Navy and would be used to determine who makes the soda run. Also, in our much younger days, Mrs. Episode 218 and I would play poker for rum and cokes. Ask her about it at Jingle Fest. <laughs> nice. We will definitely do that. Yes. We need to get to the bottom of that. Yes. So once again, Littles, thank you for all those emails. I think we got to most of them, Roxy. Yeah, good. It just, it blew my mind how, I feel like not since the wrestling, maybe. Maybe. Or, there was probably stuff before that. But it just blew my mind how much feedback we got on that one topic. It was great. And it's blowing my mind because I've never heard of it. And I never, I just feel like it would be right up my alley. And it was, it sounded like my generation right, type of thing. Right. So who knows? I'm going to try to do some homework about it. And I guess we'll probably hear more about it at Jingle Fest. Probably. Before we get out of here, Roxy, we haven't done these in a while. I mm -hmm. thought we'd do a couple uh, need to know facts. Okay. From needtoknowfacts.com. Okay. You're going to do one. I, well, I'm saving one for the last, though. But okay. this, is, this is interesting. In Queensland, Australia, it's illegal to own a pet rabbit unless you're a magician. That tracks. It, what? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it says, one thing that everybody knows about rabbits is that they reproduce like crazy. Mm, well, true. due to the ecological damage stemming from people buying rabbits, letting them reproduce, and then releasing the offspring into the wild... Queensland, Australia, decided to try a novel approach to stopping the army of rabbits. The city made it illegal to buy your own rabbits unless you have one specific occupation. If you are a magician who can pull a rabbit from a hat, you are allowed to own a rabbit. If you want to simply own the rabbit as a pet, then you're out of luck. Hmm. Now, I don't know how much... Hmm. Look, but I... then everyone's going to want to be magicians. I mean, look, it's on the internet. It must be true. It must be true. But that's all I'm going to say. So, I mean, who are our people from Australia? Maybe they know this stuff. Maybe it's true. I don't know. Yeah. We'll find out. Go ahead, Roxy. What's next? All right. Martin Luther King Jr. got a C in public speaking. I think it's... That tracks. I'm just kidding. I think it's safe to say this grade was not for his famous and incredibly influential I Have a Dream speech that he gave in 1963. Over a decade before his legendary speech while he was attending Crozer Theological Seminary in Pennsylvania, he received a C in public speaking during his first and second terms. This just goes to show you that grades don't define you or what you are capable of. That is very true. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. I could see that, actually. Really? You know? Yeah. Because, I mean, as a class, it might be a little more tricky than... It's like an actor getting a C in acting class, but then going on to star in a movie or a, right. a Broadway show or something. Right. So, yeah, I could see that, actually. You just but, need the right moment to come into your own. Now, here's the one that I love. Okay? okay. And this is something I would love to try. But here's the thing. It doesn't give you that specific... I'm sure we could find more information about it. But you know those rumble strips on the side of the road that yeah. they put? I thought... I'm assuming they're there so that if you fall asleep it wakes at you the up. wheel, it'll wake you up. Yeah, that's you know? what I thought. Yeah, that's true. I'm sure oh, that's okay. what they're there for. But a stretch of Route 66 in New Mexico will play the song America the Beautiful if driven properly. Okay. It says, 
Just east of Albuquerque, New Mexico, there is a stretch of Route 66, one of the most famous highways in the world, that will play you a song if you drive it just right. First of all, you need to drive along the rumble strips on the side of the road. They are spaced out at just the right distance to play the song America the Beautiful if you drive along them at exactly 45 miles an hour. Whoa. Okay, Chuck, we have to go right now. I mean... We have to go right now and test this out. Now, obviously, I don't know if it's just one strip or it repeats itself or... Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So, right. like, I'm guessing there's no markers we for it. We have to try this someday. Okay, but... We have to. Roxy, this we sounds like to. this is kind of made up is what I'm trying I to I don't say. care. We have to go find out. I mean, that sounds... Really cool if it's true. We have to find out. I mean, but who We're thinks going. of that? Like who, when they put it in the pavement, like who thinks of that? I don't stuff? know if they did or if it was just a happy coincidence. There must coincidence. be some significance as to why there and. No, yeah. I think it's just a happy coincidence. Right? I don't know. Who would think to plan that? That can't be right. Rumble strips aren't like that. I, don't I know. mean, maybe. Anyway, Roxy, one week from today. I can't wait. We're very excited. We get to see our friends again. Jingle Fest is upon us. Yes. And we're looking so forward to it. Let's get out of here so it can come sooner. Okay. Tell everyone how they can get in touch with us. Go to our website, loyallittlespod.com. Everything is there. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, email, guestbook, write in. Yes, the guestbook apparently is okay. It's fine. Dina tried it out. She checked it out. It's totally fine. It's fine. You can go back to the guestbook right if you it. want. But more importantly, if you do listen to us on Apple and iTunes, please, please, please head on over there and give us a nice rate and review. We really appreciate that, and it really does help. Yes. Also, don't forget, if you need a book, go to aaronsbooks.com. And most importantly, in the comment section, while you're checking out, don't forget to use the code LLPOD. Hey, I need you to wake up. I'm not going to help you put your pants on.
The Loyal Littles Podcast is produced by the WTFC Podcast Network and edited by Louis B. Crocco. And the Loyal Littles Podcast logo is designed and drawn by Eric Lonergan. Wait a minute, are you are you a little? Oh yeah.